BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome to Jumping Bomb Audio. Welcome back to Jumping Bomb Audio, the show all about the wonderful world of Joshi Pro Wrestling. Happy November. I'm Taylor, and I am joined, as always, on this show by my co-host, Kelly. Kelly, how's it going? It's going good. Right before we uh, started doing this, I watched uh, Mesa play Rock, Paper, Scissors with The Big Show. Oh, that's fun. Have you been watching all of the... uh... I don't even know what to call it. The exclusive Choco Pro interviews that have been happening backstage at uh, at AEW. I have not been, but now I want to go back and watch all the... I didn't realize they were posting so much because I've been just on Twitter less than normal. So I think I've just missed all of these until just now seeing the thing with Big Show. <laughs> Sorry, Paul they, White. No more BS. They, Sorry. Yeah, no more BS. Uh, Lulu did one with CM Punk... Uh, uh, like a week ago or maybe a couple days ago. I don't remember exactly when it was. That is very endearing. I won't, uh, <laughs> I won't give away what happens, but I ended up sending it to a lot of people and being like, you have to watch this. This is very wholesome content. Fantastic. Uh, so those have been good, but uh, this episode, we are going to uh, review the big stardom show from November 3rd. Uh, Kawasaki Super Wars, as well as previewing uh, another big stardom show in the Super Wars brand, Tokyo Super Wars, and also previewing the upcoming Tokyo Joshi Korokin Hall show. But first, we are going to kick it off with some rather major news that um, I believe, Kelly, correct me if I'm wrong, just broke today. Yeah, I think it was overnight, if anything. Uh, and that news is uh, from Actress Girls, um, and it turns out that Actress Girls Beginning and Actress Girls Colors will be uh, no more 
at the end of the year, they will be stopping. They released, uh, put out a press release today, which I will uh, read here. We would like to inform you about the future activities of Actress Girls as follows. Actress Girls will end their activities as a professional wrestling organization on December 31st this year. From 2022, we will shift to more entertaining performances using professional wrestling. As a result, both beginning and colors groups will be dissolved at the end of the year. In order to overcome the current situation, such as restrictions on, it, on customers due to corona and the deterioration of profits, we will return to our starting point and will continue to work in our own direction. We will report on the future of each wrestler as soon as they are decided. We deeply apologize to all the fans for making such a sudden report despite the support we have received during Corona. We would like, also like to express our deep gratitude to all the professional wrestling organizations and related parties who have helped us so far. So uh, big news. It sounds like from this announcement that obviously beginning and colors will be uh, no more, but it appears, or at least from what I read um, from this announcement, that I believe Action Ring Girls, which is the more uh, performance-based company, will be uh, continuing on. They do have sort of, quote-unquote, pro wrestling in that, but it's definitely more of a sort of story, uh, performance-driven organization. So very shocking news, Kelly. Uh, Really very shocking to learn, and although... Partially surprising that it really took this long, a year and a half into COVID. Uh, It looked like mostly all the Joshi companies had survived, but unfortunately, uh, that is no longer the case. Yeah, it's kind of crazy that this is really the first first one. Um, To me, this kind of sounds a little bit like what's going on with Ring of Honor in the States, where it seems like they're just kind of, they're scaling back majorly. So I, it sounds like, okay, they're not going to have contracted wrestlers anymore. They're still going to have some kind of roster and some kind of show, but there's a lot of unknowns right now. And so I think you're going to see a lot of people jumping ship because they probably don't know either. So I, I could see a lot of talent spreading out. Um, I could also see them kind of cutting back because it's like, well, we're kind of just a feeding ground for other companies at this point where it's just here comes stardom taking people, you know. So it 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 I think it sounds like they'll still be around in some regard, but you need to cut back. You can't be running three brands in a time like this. So it's kind of like I can see why this happened. Yeah, and I uh, it, it was so funny because I talked about them last week. We had that uh, question uh, that was submitted about you know the companies that have sort of exceeded expectations and those that have not really met expectations. And I talked about actress girls who sort of felt like they were in a good position going into 2021 with a streaming service, felt like they were building a pretty solid uh, roster or rosters. And as I said last week, I think, you know, COVID certainly didn't help anyone. They've had some injuries uh, to some pretty key wrestlers throughout the year that they have been missing. Obviously, as you just mentioned, the stardom stuff, losing wrestlers 
seemingly for a little while there at a pretty regular clip uh, yeah. wrestlers were leaving. So I think it's a lot of factors. It's, you know, I think it's always surprising when, you know, a company announces we're shutting down. It doesn't really happen um, all that much anymore. I'm trying to think of like, what was the last major promotion to announce they were shutting down? And I can't even think of one. Yeah, no, I can't either. Um, but shocking, but I would say once you really look at what's been going on, um, I mean, it wouldn't even be surprising, like I said, if one of these companies had shut down just being like, hey, we got hit really hard by COVID. We weren't able to sell as much. We're not making as much money and we're shutting down. And obviously, Actress Girls has uh, a bit had a bit more issues than that. So not entirely uh, surprising. It will be interesting to see where some of these uh, wrestlers end up because now there's there is a lot of talent that. Uh, we'll be looking for a place to go. Selfishly, I hope a bunch uh, go to Choco Pro, purely because their Joshi roster is kind of thin these days. Yeah, I mean, you don't really know. I mean, maybe Stardom ends up taking in a few more because obviously they've had interest in the past, but you have some, you know, wrestlers who already have some connections with other groups that they may end up there. Of course, some groups at this point or most groups, you know, could maybe get one person in, but it isn't like seedlings going to come out and say, Oh, we've signed, you know, six people from actress girls because they don't sign anyone really at this point. So, uh, it will be interesting to see, uh, sort of a bummer. I was hoping, uh, as I think I probably said last week, that they could turn it around because I really thought for a while that there was a period that I thought that they were really sort of a fun mix of in-ring wrestling and sort of this character, sort of in the way that I think Tokyo Joshi has become and that Tokyo Joshi was very character-based for a long time. It wasn't about the matches. And I think that they've hit sort of that good balance of having fun characters and also having a lot of talent in ring. And I thought that actress girls maybe could do that as well, but unfortunately uh, doesn't look like that will happen. Yeah. Ho- hopefully whatever their new incarnation is going forward is, I don't know, is successful, but, but like, so the, what they do for the third brand is kind of like Makai essentially. Yeah. Sort of in that, vain okay um i think it might be slightly more i've never i've only watched sort of like clips of makai i've never seen like a full show yeah so i think it may be similar um in terms of that it is i think they both sort of are like we are a like performing troupe instead of being like we are wrestlers like there's a lot about because um Action Ring has uh, Arisa Hoshiki, who was in Stardom, and the whole thing was, you know, she sort of came back and people were like, oh my god, she's coming back to wrestling, and it was very clear that they were like, no, she is not coming back to wrestling, this is like a performance sort of thing. So yeah, so we'll see, and maybe, you know, they can put emphasis on, you know, that brand, and maybe 
lift up that brand where it's sort of viable um, and get some some reach that maybe they couldn't do when they were focusing on all three brands at once. Yeah, because really th- this could just be a consolidation of resources, which smart. <laughs> So that is the uh, big news, um, but the big show of the last two weeks was another big stardom show, Stardom Kawasaki Super Wars at Todoroki Arena uh, in front of 906 fans. Kelly, I think we talked last episode that based on the card, which, um, you know, I still feel at this point that was sort of filled with a lot of matches that didn't really have uh, outcomes in doubt. I think 906 is pretty good. We were talking yeah. about maybe they'd hit 800. You know, 906 is not hugely in the 900s. But for I think for the card that they sort of put together, I think it's a solid uh, solid number. Yeah, no, definitely. This is a, It's a good number for what the card was for sure. So before we dive in, of course, I'll ask Kelly, what did you think of the of this show as a whole? Overall, I enjoyed it. Um, I thought it was a pretty easy watch, which was nice. Um, I, I watched it in two sittings purely because the first I started it at work and, you know, couldn't had to go act, do actual work. But then <laughs> I watched the second half and it was a pretty breezy watch, I thought. Yeah, I agree. I actually thought it was a pretty strong uh, show. Maybe it was that my expectations were slightly lower because, you know, we I went in thinking, okay, I sort of know the outcomes of most of these matches. And for, I think, about all of them, or or most of them, I should say, it sort of turned out the way I thought it would turn out. Um, but I thought that there were certain things that they did in each of these matches that I really enjoyed. And a lot of the things I've talked about, or maybe not a lot of things, but a few of the things I've talked about in terms of sort of match set up and things like that in the past. I think that they did a good job of uh, the words not correcting, but sort of the things where I was like, oh, I wish it was more like this. A lot of these matches were sort of more like that. And we'll get into that as we um, talk about all the matches. But I also thought it was a, a really solid, a solid show. So it kicked off the opening match, match zero, I believe, was uh, May Sakurai defeating... Waka Sukiyama in six minutes and 23 seconds. Kelly, any thoughts on uh, this opening match between two of the less experienced wrestlers on the stardom roster? I literally couldn't tell you a single thing about this match because the post match kind of just wiped everything out of my brain with how bizarre it was. <laughs> Whenever you yeah. get like a, a weird monster showing up and hitting someone with a sledgehammer, it, it totally just anything you saw prior is gone. <laughs> yes, uh, I would agree with that. I have to say, so the mask is called a uh, Momo mask. And it was a weird thing where like a couple years ago, maybe I'm thinking there was some meme or something with the mask. Yes, and I remember- it was. Yeah. A sculpture, I believe, that someone made that turned into like a creepy pasta with kids sending it around to each other and like, oh, if you don't send it to someone else, Momo's gonna kill you or whatever. 
And so then the mask got popular during like Halloween and stuff. So that's that's where that comes from. Yeah, because I remember seeing it a couple of years ago, like a bunch. Yeah. And hating it because it's. Oh, yeah, it's horrible. <laughs> it's incredibly horrible. And I was like, because, oh, I because I did not watch the show live and I saw a tweet that was something like, oh, uh, Momo mask. Someone came out in a Momo mask. And of course, my first thought was, oh, a Momo Watanabe mask. Yeah. <laughs> like I didn't make the connection back to that thing, probably because my brain was trying to protect me from <laughs> recalling <laughs> that horrible thing. And then, of course, I saw a picture because I think I don't remember who it was. Someone on the Stardom roster tweeted like, who the heck is this? It might have been Mayu or something who was like, what the hell is this? And I was like, oh, that Momo mask. Uh, yeah, it really did take over, although I found it funny because Momo comes out, attacks both of them with a sledgehammer and then just sort of walks to the back and everyone's like, Okay, and everyone yeah. just sort of leaves. And I was like, what the hell? What the heck? Like, it made me think, is it really like an angle? Or was it just like a, haha, Halloween was just now. Here's a weird thing to happen. I think it's a, I think it's a debut. <laughs> um, I think. Yeah, it's, it's, I, it's I mean, so there's weird. Because especially, like, I saw on the, um... On one of the various stardom social media things, it was either Twitter or Instagram, I don't remember. They you know, they were posting the match results with pictures. And the picture they posted was uh my getting her hand raised, and you see the Momo getting into the ring in the background, but there's zero acknowledgement that that ever happened. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know. I'm like, okay, who could it be? Yeah. It could be Saya Ida coming back. Although then I was like watching the person like walk around <laughs> and I was like, ah, who does this person walk? Like as if I could like watch a person walk and be like, I know that walk. And Unless it was like, could uh, see anything. Like yeah, the way it was they were just, walking was yeah. weird. And like the, my favorite part was when the, the, the person in the mask just kind of like, bonked Waka in the boob with the hammer like really softly and <laughs> Waka had to like sell it like she was dead but it was very much like get in the ring attack okay it's over now I'm just gonna walk to the back yeah like um, Mino was taking Waka to the back and laughing about it like <laughs> like no one sold it as there's this deranged maniac with a hammer attacking people um, but I guess I mean I think you know, Saya Ida, although I was watching and going, it doesn't strike me really as uh, Saya Ida. And of course, Mirai Mayumi is the other sort of big name that sort of hangs over this all where it's like, is she coming? Could this be? I mean, the other thing is, if it is a debut, it would sort of need to be someone who like if I were debuting Mirai Mayumi, I would not put her in a feud with like Wakasukiyama right off no. the bat. Like, I think she's probably above that level um, at this point and definitely moving forward. So I'm like, uh, yeah, I guess, <laughs> I guess yeah, we'll find out. So weird. And like nothing has come of it since then. 
Like, yeah, because I was looking, be being jumping like jumping people everywhere. Like they'd be on every show attacking someone, or every every couple of shows, or even like today was the finals, and that nothing happened there. So it's like it's so weird. Yeah. Um, well, the first official match of the show, match one, the future of stardom title match, uh, where Kelly's favorite Ruaka successfully defended her title, defeating Lady C in four minutes and 42 seconds. And of course, as with any Ruaka match, I have to start with Kelly's thoughts. Um, I said this was fine in my notes. And then I also said, say something nice about Ruaka challenge. And uh, this time her splash looks better than Tamina's. There you go. Uh, I thought Lady C looked pretty good. Yeah. Um, She's... And I've said this before, she's like in a weird position where I think she's better than a lot of sort of people in the lower half of these cards. And yet she feels very much like an afterthought, largely. Mm-hmm. Like doesn't feel like in a way that it's like Wakasukiyama is getting a, you know, they're getting all these challenge series and May Sakurai is getting one. And now Ruaka is the future of stardom champion and unagi is challenging for the wonder star and title and just feels like and lady c is like a body that we have that we can just put in a match if we need an extra person yeah they don't really do anything with her it's honestly the best thing they've ever done with lady c is in the match graphics putting her with wakasukiyama and showing the size difference between the two and making uh lady c's head almost go out of the uh the graphic Uh, but only four minutes and 42 seconds, so shorter, actually, than the uh, preliminary match. So not all that much to talk about. Uh, the next match, another short match, only went five minutes and 44 seconds. It was a, a Goddesses of Stardom Tag League Block B match, where the Oedo Tai team of Fukigen Death and Saki Kashima defeated... Hanan and Rina uh, with the Oedo Tai team moving at that point to four points. Hanan and Rina, no points. Um, this match was, I think, largely fine. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm never really crazy about these matches where it's like, ah, we're like, it happens in the G1 sometimes and it happens in other tournaments, but it's like, we're in the same group and we're going to do you know, something weird in the match, but then all of a sudden, Oh, we can't get along and we're actually going to now fight each other. Like mm-hmm. that's sort of a played out thing to me. And I was like, mm, okay. Yeah. The only notes I have on it, it says, uh, it sure was a way to tie match. Yes. A lot of smoking and, uh, newspapers. So if you like that, you'll like this. The next match, uh, a three-way match with Mina Shirakawa defeating Micah and Sayakamatani in seven minutes and 38 seconds. I thought this this was a uh, pretty fun match, I think. As I've said before, uh, I'm a big fan of Mina. I think that she brings a sort of fun energy that not a lot of people on this roster really bring. I think that, as I've said before, stardom really has an over- abundance of quote-unquote cool wrestlers um 
wrestlers who come out and they're like, you know, I'm very cool. I'm above, I'm above this, blah, blah, blah. Mina is not above it. She's like doing her thing. She's doing that slide that she does or whatever it is. And it's just a lot of fun and it's a fun change of pace. And I thought that this match was, um, was good. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Um, the only negative thing I can say about it is it kind of just fell into the same trap that a lot of triple threats do where it was, you know, two people pair off one person goes lays outside the ring for a while, but like that happens in almost every triple threat. So I can't really knock them for it. Uh, but yeah, I liked it a lot. I went uh three and a quarter stars on it. Taylor, are you aware of the sexual tension between Micah and Mina Shirakawa? Uh, I am not. No, I was not aware of this until recently. Uh, a Facebook page I follow called, um, I think it's Stardom Without Context, was sharing exhibits in their case. And Micah sure is obsessed with Mina's chest. Uh, just showing like press conferences of her just staring at Mina's cleavage. Uh, another match where Micah had her in a uh, camel clutch and was just smacking him around. Like, they're, they're, there's something there. <laughs> well, I do know when Mina first came in the company, that was almost entirely the sole focus of, like, her sole purpose because she was, like, hanging out with Mayu, who would do the same thing, who was always talking about it, going on about it. And that was a period where I was like, boy, I hope this doesn't continue. Maybe it is continuing with Micah, but it seems like she's become slightly more quote unquote serious. Yeah. But I do remember when she first came in, it was all anyone in the company ever talked about. Yeah. No, I, I, the video that I saw of her, they're just doing like a press conference and they're sitting next to each other. And Mina's like, I've just noticing Micah staring at her and like adjusting her shirt higher. Um, but this match also, I will say that I thought it was going to, uh, well, it started out feeling a bit like a Tokyo Joshi yeah. uh, three-way match would in that there's always that running. And also like in DDT, there's that running joke that they do like a three-way match and it turns into like two people wrestling each other and the third person being like, Hey, I want to get in on this and it doesn't work because that's how this one started with Mina sort of being like, I want to do it. And they were like, no, nah, we'll just wrestle each other. But then it got pretty much into the standard uh, three-way stuff later. But that was sort of like, oh, there's a little bit of uh, the Tokyo Joshi past leaking in here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I of the undercard, this was my favorite match. I really enjoyed it. The next match, the Donna Del Mundo team of Himika and Natsupoi went to a time limit draw with... The stars team of Koguma and Mayu Iwatani. People will be surprised to hear that I did really enjoy this match. I went three and three quarters. Wow. Um, but closer to the end of the match, I was thinking, this match is going too long, and I hope they wrap it up soon. And like two minutes later, they hit the time limit draw, and I was like, of course. <laughs> Why didn't I recognize that that was what was going to happen? At first, when they hit the draw, I was like, ah, okay, you know, gives the, the one point each for Tag League. And I was like, wait a minute, this isn't a Tag League match. <laughs> and then I was like, well, why did you book this match? If no one could win, there, why? You, you didn't have to do this. 
Like, I get putting everyone on the card, but it's like, come on, stop booking matches where no one can win. Or no one can lose. Like, like we were talking about it last time. Like, I do a scramble. Like, just pull a GCW, do a scramble. Put Jimmy Lloyd in there, whatever you gotta do to make it work. It's like, you can pin someone that way. You could pin Koguma. It's, well, no, because now she's doing a title challenge, so you couldn't pin Koguma. Ah! Why? Why do they do this? <laughs> and I said this before. I think I said this the last big show when there was a time limit draw. But my whole thing about time limit draws, which I've gone over and over again, as I said, people said, well, they're not happening on the big shows, which was true. And guess <laughs> what? Now they're happening on almost every big show. Uh-huh. I'm like... I, I thought it was a fine match, but I like, why? It They just... You can just not book these wrestlers for this show, and it's fine. Well, and I just think it's very hard to unravel. You know, you sort of start doing the time limit draws, and you're like, yeah, it's fine. It protects everyone. But then if you start doing that, if that becomes the policy, you then have to do that all the time. Like, you're never going to get to a point where you're like, okay, now we can start doing less. You'll only need more time limit draws as everyone ends up even with each other. Yeah. And that's that's what we're getting, and that's why it's leached into the big shows. And it sort of is a bummer, because we'll talk about in a second, this was back-to-back with something else, and I will probably have, people will find my opinion on the next match, very surprising, which was the high-speed title match, uh, between Starlight Kid and Momo Watanabe, which did not go to a time limit draw, but went to a double countout in 11 minutes and 50 seconds. I actually liked this finish. I thought it was good. Me too. But I think it would be... Imagine how much better it would have been. Well, A, if you wouldn't have done a time limit draw in the very match before this one. Yeah. But also if you did not consistently have these sort of cop-out finishes. Yeah. This this one worked because it made narrative sense. Like, it made sense why, okay, this is clearly not the end of this story. You don't want to do a title thing, a title change with this, or have someone win. That's fine. It worked well in this because they, they had an excuse for doing the double count-out because they just both lost their minds and just wanted to kill each other outside the ring after did Starlight Kid throw rice at Momo was that what happened there I thought it was like powder I thought it was like um, you couldn't see any powder on Momo so I wasn't sure well it looked like when she threw it it sort of like missed oh okay and then she ended up throwing the bag at her which seemed more effective because it made like a great thump sound yeah i was Um, not clear at all what happened there (laughs) yeah because i was like oh she threw the powder and then they cut to momo and i was like oh momo looks fine yeah i i really enjoyed after that when momo was like you know what screw it i'm just gonna beat up all of way to (laughs) tie i'm not oh yeah that they came this they came over and she was just like yeah leave me alone and beat all of them up and they're like okay we're out of here (laughs) Yeah, that was great. I, I would the one disappointing thing about the match was that kid's mask is a little too well made, so it didn't yeah. whip. 
Like it kind of just like pulled a little bit, but she couldn't get a good rip in there. So that was a slight disappointment. But other than that, I thought it was a great angle. I I liked the match a lot, even like up to the count out. The match was great. Uh, Momo's kicks looked brutal in this. Like I went a three and a half. I can't wait for whatever comes next in this story. Yeah, and there was the um, there was the moment when Starlight Kid was on Momo's shoulders or something, and then she hopped off and she sort of stumbled, and I th- or I thought it was a stumble, but then um, Momo hit her like point on in the head with a kick, and I was like, oh, that looked really good. Yeah, where Starlight Kid like reverses out of the move, stumbles, and gives Momo a second to kick her in the head. Yeah, that was um, awesome. But yeah, I totally agree on the on the mask. Although it was funny because the mask, I think, if Starlight Kid had not touched it, would have still covered her face. But she was like covering it with her hand. Like I'm not sure if she could tell how much was ripped. Yeah, I'm probably like, oh, not. Yeah, it didn't really rip. Yeah, um, she probably thought it was gonna be like this huge hole in the mask, and then got to the back and saw, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> It's not like, uh, you know, um, Pentagon, yeah. whose mask seemingly turns to ribbons every time it's touched at all. <laughs> it's like I have seen that man's face probably 25 times. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, so I, I was a bit higher than you. I went four stars. Uh, I really liked it. I thought it was very good. It certainly met my expectations. I thought the opening sequence was really fun too, uh, with sort of the more high speed stuff as well. So a great match and a good kickoff to sort of the upper portion of this card. The next match, also a title match, and also for the Five Star Grand Prix briefcase, Shuri defeating Azumi in 13 minutes and 22 seconds. This is another match I thought was really good. I thought it was very well paced. Didn't overstay its welcome. Only 13 minutes and 22 seconds. But I thought it really had that. I've talked about in the past, these sort of bigger stardom matches that seemingly have the layout of like, I hit a big move on you. Then we sort of lay around on the mat. Oh, we're, we're so tired. Oh my God, we can barely stand. That for me, really drag. Yeah. In a lot of ways, I thought this didn't have this. I thought it was really not even fast pace is not the right word, but it was paced in a way that it didn't feel like there was much of that sort of waiting around downtime. And so I thought it was um, a really good match. I went three and a half, um, you know, sort of a good kickoff for the top three matches. Again, a match, as I talked about at the beginning of the show, little bit hurt by the fact that I really don't think anyone is beating Shuri for this briefcase or for her SWA title unless she sort of separates them. Um, So the outcome wasn't really ever in doubt for me, which hurt it a little bit, but still thought the match was very good. Yeah, I like this a lot. Uh, It was a really good, more technical match. Uh, And I thought it was a really strong looking win for Shuri, especially coming off of the pretty not great match against Saki uh, at the last big show. I went uh, three and three quarters. 
The semi-main event of the show for the Wonder of Stardom title, uh, Cosmic Angels explode here as Tom Nakino defeating Unagi Sayaka in 21 minutes and 31 seconds. This is a match that I did enjoy. I went four stars. Uh, I enjoyed a lot of it. It sort of bordered into the area of that sort of big style match, which I've haven't loved, you know, a lot of the strike exchange, stuff like that. Um, but I thought Unagi looked great. Um, my one major issue with the match is that it's another match that has now gone by another title match for Tom, where she sort of comes out not looking strong. I mean, she did win. Um, but the match sort of began looking like it was going to be sort of the story of like, Tom is very clearly one step ahead, sort of in ring talent wise in storyline ahead of Unagi. And then it felt like closer to the end of the match that that story sort of went away and it needed to be the story of like, either one could win. So then Tom sort of comes out looking like, Oh, uh, like she won, but not by like by the skin of her teeth, which now she defeated Utami. And since that she has gone to a draw with Mayu and sort of survived Unagi Sayaka, who at the last show lost the future of stardom title to Ruaka. Um, Yeah. I thought she gave Unagi way too much in this match. And I mean, Unagi looked great, but you can't make her look great as at a detriment to your champion. It was like a match in a vacuum that I enjoyed, but then when you think about it, you're like, the, like not the match I would have, but this is that this is the thing where like there's so many big shows. I mean, we're talking about this big show. We're going to preview another big show coming up. Um, to, when we're talking about upcoming shows, it's like almost every show, almost every episode we do, we're in some way talking about a big stardom show, and I yeah. think that this is sort of a symptom of that which is that you need people at the top of the card to do these matches like this i think would have been a really great match like main eventing a corican yes where tom can go out and beat her in like 14 minutes like go out have a good match the story of tom is one step ahead and it's a fun match the outcome isn't really ever in doubt but could probably have a good match but instead they need to build these cards up so much and it's the semi main on a big event so you can't really do it's the same thing with that Sirisaki match that we just talked about it's like everyone needs to look some level of strong but then no one can get to the next level strong like tom doesn't come out looking great out of this yeah no i and we sound down on it i went four stars on it too uh i thought the match was great uh the two Audible shoot headbutts were just sick. I, they were great. I'm shocked that neither of them were busted open <laughs> from them. It did look like Tom kind of had a lump on her forehead. Uh, but yeah, like the match really clicked for me once Tom got mean and was just kind of over Unagi's shit and just started beating the hell out of her. Uh, I, it was great. Uh, Unagi looked great. She she can hang with the top level of the card, which makes me very happy. But yeah, it's, I don't know. It's not the, it's not the booking I would like to see, but as a match on its own, I thought it was great. 
Yeah, I'm the same thing. And I also agree about Unagi, you know, someone who um, a couple months ago, you know, a couple months ago, I talked on this podcast that there were still things where I'm like, she's not quite there yet. And, you know, I don't know if she's a top of the card person now, but certainly can hang with them um, and deliver a match like this in a, in a big spot. So that is good to see sort of throwing her in the deep end, especially after, you know, having the future stardom title, you're not sort of wrestling the top tier people. So, you know, you don't really know, but she did very well. So I think we're uh, just about in lockstep on this, uh, on this match. Yeah. (laughs) And then the main event for the world of stardom title, uh, Utami Hayashita defeating Hazuki in 25 minutes and 24 seconds. This was another match I enjoyed. I went four stars. I think that when I talk about that sort of slow style of like big move, wait, big move, wait. I think Utami is often the most guilty of that sort of style in the company, which makes sense because she's often in the main event. She's defending what is, I think, currently by far the top title in the company. And I think that this match was really good because Hazuki is sort of uh, a bridge between the current stardom and sort of the previous generation, I'll call it. I don't know if that's the right word that I think was a little bit more fast paced in the match style. And so I thought that Hazuki really kept the match going. There wasn't a lot of big downtime. There were a couple moments when they did, but you know, Hazuki doing the, uh, you know, the reverse, she had some great reversals in that match. She had the reversal into the um, code red, uh, which I thought was really cool late in the match. And so I thought it was, I thought it was a really strong match. As I said, I went four stars um, and I give that a lot, not to say Utami was bad, but I think a lot of that came down to Azuki being able to sort of lead the match through and keep the downtime to a minimum. Yeah. Hazuki looked great here. She was awesome. Uh, I went four and a quarter on it. Uh, Overall, uh, just the match rocked. Uh, The one spot that really stood out to me was the air raid crash on the apron that Utami hit on Hazuki, because that was scary. (laughs) It looked like she spiked Hazuki right on her head. Uh, But you know what? This match really brought out in me. I found out who I hate more than Ruaka in this company. Oh, boy. (laughs) I hate the lead referee in stardom. I think he's bad at his job. I think he's actively distracting. Uh, there was a couple times where Utami got a little too good at the 2.99 kickout, and dude was pulling up from his count before she kicked out. And I don't put that on Utami at all. I think that's just the ref being bad at his job and not calling it like a shoot when he thinks he should. You know, I think he sucks. I thought he, I think he's sucked for a long time. I hate whenever he just fucking jumps over the wrestlers when he's like checking in on them, looking like an asshole. Just hate him. I think he sucks. And this was every time, like there was a couple times in this match where he pulled up before and I was like, you fucking dick ruined this moment. And I, I probably focus on him more because I know I don't like him. So in the back of my mind, there's this little bit that 
fucking the cartoon of that sicko guy looking in the window and like, ha ha ha. Yes, it's that guy in the back of my head waiting for this referee to do something stupid that I hate. So I'm just keeping an eye out for it. But still, I think he's bad at his job. I really, really don't like him. Wow. Uh, (laughs) All right. Um, I'm, I'm just someone who doesn't really like I feel like a lot of companies have sort of referees that are sometimes um weirdly like controversial like i know a, a few weeks ago like in AEW when they did the um Danielson uh Eddie Kingston match i think it was and there was a whole debate i think on twitter about like Bryce Remsburg or something i saw that um, yeah if you don't think Bryce is a good ref you're wrong first off uh if if you think Bryce is a bad referee you turn off this podcast right now you don't deserve us but like it happens also like with red shoes in um new japan and i always feel like i am never re- like i'm never distracted by a referee unless something happens that is like visibly like oh you messed up the count yeah as in like you counted 3 when it should not have been 3 or you did not count 3 when it should have been 3 like that's really the only time like i don't mind I guess I could see how, and I know exactly what you're talking about when you're like jumping over people to get the thing. Like, I guess my brain just sees it as like, oh, it's part of being a referee because there's also sort of referees in like the world of sports. Like I think about like basketball, there's a lot of like basketball referees that people like hate that have that sort of personality that's like there's a foul called and they like run down the court and they're like foul. And you're like, what the hell is this guy doing? But it's just like weirdly their style. So I'm like, Oh, these referees are sort of like those sports referees, which are like, for some reason, weirdly, like weirdly demonstrative in the way that they do it. So I guess, I don't know. I guess I got used to it in other sports. Another thing that I forgot to mention last show with this referee it was during whatever it, it was one of the matches on the last big stardom show where like a re, uh, wrestler bumped into him and he oversold it so much that he like flew back and like bumped into whatever girl was at the ringside and he pushed her down <laughs> like in his selling. I was like, what the fuck are you doing? I hate him. I hate this man. I don't well, even that know was his our, name. That was our referee talk corner. And although it ended on a quite negative note, I think in general. Great match. Uh, yeah, great <laughs> match. And we were very positive on the show as a whole, uh, which I'm sure will surprise some people who expect us. You know, we are very fair with stardom on this show. And sometimes yeah. we don't like things. And sometimes we do like things. Yeah. And sometimes and we don't way. like very specific people. <laughs> referee. I'll say sometimes Kelly doesn't like very specific people. That's true. (laughs) Uh, So that was the big stardom show. Before we move on to uh, recapping everything else that happened over the last week, Kelly has a, uh, I don't know, what what do I want to call it? I haven't thought of this before I started saying it. Um, (laughs) A uh, excursion report. An excursion report. There you go. There we go. Kick it off, Kelly. Uh, Rina Yamashita came over to the States to work some GCW shows over the weekend, and I saw both of her matches. 
On GCW Evil Deeds, which happened on November 12th, she faced Charlie Evans in a singles match. It was a death match. And uh, this match ruled. Like, they went out there and used a whole bunch of tubes, and they both worked really stiff. Uh, Charlie Evans impressed me here. I've never really seen her wrestle before, but I came away thinking very highly of her. Uh, Rena won the match with a splash mountain onto about like 20 tubes. It was a whole lot. The mat, the mat was covered in glass by the end of this. I thought it was awesome. Uh, I went four and a quarter on it. Definitely go out of your way to see it. Uh, and then the next night, uh, Rena participated in the Nick Gage Invitational Six. Uh, And she faced Atticus Kogar in the first round. Sadly, she lost, but had a really good showing. Uh, Once again, Rena and her opponent beat the hell out of each other in this match. Uh, Rena at one point took an air raid crash through like a tower of tubes that was up in the corner. And it just looked nasty. (laughs) Like it was a crazy spot. Uh, I went three and three quarter on that match. Uh, Also good definitely worth checking out the the net gauge invitational as a whole is a good show worth checking out i didn't watch all of evil deeds i really only watched the arena match but uh good stuff uh definitely worth checking out yeah i haven't seen charlie evans for uh or wrestle for quite a long time because she was in um the medusa complex tag team that was tag champions in sendai girls and I remember their reign. I always thought their matches mostly were fine. Uh, I was never really blown away. And then they left and she sort of disappeared off the radar, except I've she's like very Twitter famous or something, right? Yeah. Yeah, she's big on Twitter. I I think I've seen her wrestle before, probably in a Sunday Girls tag match or something, but I didn't really. Re- I remember like having seen her in a match, but I remembered nothing about the match. And, like, over the past year or so, she's like, hey, I'm a deathmatch wrestler now, and pretty good at it. Pretty good. Well, that's uh, good to hear. I'll have to check that. Um, I'll have to check that show out. Um, moving back to Japan uh, and recapping the last two weeks, going back to stardom, uh, they had a bunch of shows for their tag league. Uh, we won't cover everything that happened there. Although just today they had the tag league finals at Korokin Hall where Hazuki and Koguma defeated Momo Watanabe and Izumi in the finals to win that tournament and receiving the uh, Kelly. I don't know if you saw this, but they as winners uh, didn't receive a trophy, but received some pretty cool looking rings. Ooh, um, that's fun. Which, which are designed to, I believe, look like uh, the stardom tag titles. They each get one ring. Uh, but I thought that that was sort of a cool, uh, different thing. Usually they get, you know, a little trophy for winning a tournament. But I thought that was cool. Also on that show, uh, speaking of the Starlight Kid Momo Watanabe, um, they are going to have a match. Now it was announced on this show on the December 18th big show. Uh, and the loser of that match will have to join the winner's unit. So if Momo wins, Starlight Kid will join Queen's Quest. And if Starlight Kid wins, 
uh, Momo Watanabe will join Oedo Tai. So some pretty big stakes there. Uh, would be interesting to see Momo in uh, Oedo Tai. Would certainly help that group, get them a little bit more uh, power. I don't know, oomph, something like that. Momo just ripping uh, newspapers out of people's hands and making them kick everybody. And yeah. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Uh, so we'll see where that leads. Seedling had a show on November 10th, which featured the next, the second round of their tag tournament. Uh, two matches, Asuka and Makoto defeating Ayame Sasamura and Riko Kaiju, and Kaori Yoniyama and Yu defeating Arisa Nakajima and Hanako Nakamori. So those two teams will move on to the finals, which will be happening in the upcoming weeks. Uh, Tokyo Joshi had some shows, um, sort of smaller shows. On the November 13th show, Yuki Arai challenged Miyu Yamashita to a match that will happen in December, it will be a non-title match, but Yuki Arai looking to challenge herself against uh, the top woman in Tokyo Joshi. Uh, Ice Ribbon, we talked about it last episode. They had a big show on November 13th. Turns out that that is airing on Samurai TV on November 20th. So unfortunately, weren't able to recap it here. But looking forward to the airing, I'm still not spoiled, so we will not be talking about the results of that show on this one. Uh, But make sure you check that out on November 20th. Uh, Diana had one of their dojo shows uh, today on November 14th. That went up on their YouTube as well. Uh, Wave had two shows. The seventh had two title matches, Saki and Hikari Shimizu retaining the Wave tag team titles over Sakura Hirota and Yuki Miyazaki, and Yumi Oka retaining her Queen Elizabeth title over Kaori Yonayama and Leon, a three-way match there. And then big news from Pure J. 
Although Arisa Nakajima and Hanako Nakamori were not able to move on in the seedling tag team tournament, they won the Pure J Daily Sports tag team titles, winning them from Cherry and Leon. So that is everything that has happened in the last two weeks of Joshi. And coming up, we'll start with Stardom again. They have two shows on the 21st and 23rd. Those are sort of small uh, house shows. One's at Adiana Saka Arena 2. Uh, no title matches on that show. Although on November 27th, Tokyo Super Wars uh, will be happening. And the card is as follows. Kicking the show off. Uh, will be a three-way match for the future of stardom title. Ruaka versus Mei Sakurai versus Wakasukiyama. Kelly, do you think that the title changes hands in this match? Um, Possibly, but it could also be a DQ if a certain masked person makes their return here. It very well could be. And I mean... Uh... No one's seen Triple H since he had his heart attack. I believe you mean his cardiac event. Yes, sorry, sorry. Uh, So we will see what happens there. Then Momo Watanabe and Izumi, coming off their defeat in the Tag League Finals, will take on Unagi, Sayaka, and Lady C. Uh, I would imagine with Momo... Having this big match with Starlight Kid coming up, I would imagine that she would probably uh, take the W in this match. Yeah. Is is Lady C in Cosmic Angels? Because she's always tagging with them, it feels like, but like doesn't seem to have the branding. I think that there's... I think that they talked about it, but I don't know if she is in the group officially. I feel like there was like discussion of it, but I don't know if I'm thinking of something else. Um, But this to me very much feels like, Oh, we just need two people to go up against Momo and Azumi so that they can win. Who do we have? Uh, Unagi and Lady C. Yeah. And like, why? I don't know. Why wouldn't you switch the card around and put two of the lower tier, uh, Wado Tai people against her, against Momo and Azumi, you know? Yeah, I mean, that is very true. It would make sense for the uh, story. Um, yeah, I don't really know. That's a good point. We got to get Rossi on the phone. <laughs> uh, next is a six person match Mayu Iwatani Hazuki, who is now officially in Stars, I should mention. Oh. Uh, and Hanan. Uh, we'll take on Saki Kashima, Fukigen Death, and Arena. Uh, so this is, yes, I should have mentioned in the uh, previous two weeks at one of the Tag League shows, Hazuki officially joining Stars. So that uh, sort of solves that mystery. Some people, I think, thought that she might start her own unit. Uh, obviously, she had been in Oedo Tai uh, before she left but will now be, at least for the time being, will be in stars. Yep, no Hazuki goon. Coming up next, an interesting match, a number one contender match for the Wonder of Stardom title, a three-way match, Saya Kamatani versus Natsupoi versus Himika. Uh, I like that they're doing this uh, number one contender match. It was a little bit... Um, 
annoying is not the right word, but at Kawasaki Super Wars, it was just funny that every title match ended and then someone would just sort of wander out and it was like, I'm the next challenger, except for the main event where she called, uh, Utami called Micah out. But I was like, wow, this is definitely a pattern. <laughs> you win. Oh, here comes Koguma. Oh, here comes Mina Shirakawa. Okay, you're there. Oh, you want a title match? Okay. Uh, I'm always a big fan of making number one contenders. I think that's fun. It gives you more matches to do. It it makes this match a little bit more, you know, if they had just thrown this on and hadn't said it was a number one contenders match, probably would be a fun match. But now it's got a little bit extra juice because mm-hmm. you got the number one contendership on the line. Yeah, should be fun, especially with the dynamic with Natsupo and Himika, you know, being tag partners, but faced, uh, forced to go up against each other with Saya in the middle. You know, be interested to see who comes out victorious. You know, I think, as we talked about, I don't think Tom is in a particularly strong position. So I certainly could see, especially the fact that they're sort of building up this number one contender. I could see the winner of this maybe beating Tom for the title. Yeah. Um, certainly not out of the range of possibility. Um, and like I said, I don't think Tom has been particularly strong. So I think that that's sort of one benefit is that she can lose a title. You know, I think Utami's now in the position where, and also Siri's in the position where we're sort of waiting for that match. And every match before that point is sort of like burning time but I don't think Tom's in that position, which I think is helpful to the top of these cards that sort of feel like, okay, we know what most of these results are going to be. Next up is a high speed title match. As I just mentioned, Koguma coming out at the end of Starlight Kid's match at Kawasaki Super Wars to challenge her. So it will be Starlight Kid versus Koguma. I think Koguma has really... Uh, impressed me recently. I've really liked her. So this is another match. Um, and of course, I think Starlight Kid is excellent. Another match that I am looking forward to. I'm imagining that Starlight Kid will retain her title to keep her strong for the big match against Momo Watanabe. Yeah, I. but I could also see her losing because the title, you know, isn't necessarily a part of that feud. And I mean, if I doubt they'd go this route, but you could even do an momo distraction thing where she comes out to fight off Wado Tai and Starlight Kid gets distracted and Koguma rolls her up. You could do something like that. I I wouldn't like that, but you know. I wouldn't like it, but you could do it. Yep. Uh, <laughs> it's possible. Uh, yeah, I could I mean I could see that. I could see some way and then you just sort of have a clean of, you know, I think probably the end of this feud, or at least the way that I'm looking at it, I think Starlight Kid probably beats Momo uh, and Momo joins. That seems a more logical story to me than Momo beating. Like, it feels like if Starlight Kid was going to go back, it would have happened during the whole thing with Mayu. Yeah. Where it was like, I'm going to get you back. And then she won the one versus five match. And Starlight Kid's like, nope, I'm not going back. If she was going to then quickly turn back to be a babyface, it would have happened then and not now so i think that's sort of the outcome so i guess you could have her lose you build it up you say oh you cost me my title and then starlight kid gets a big win to sort of get her 
you know, position back, yeah. not getting the title, but sort of like, okay, I lost my title, but I just beat Momo, who's a former champion, and all of these things. Yeah, because Starlight Kid, I don't at this point doesn't gain anything from going back to stars, uh, and Momo could use a little bit of freshening up, and going to Wado Tai would do that probably. The uh, third match from the top is a reschedule of the uh, a match scheduled for a big show recently. Siri versus Konami for the SWA title and the five star Grand Prix briefcase. Uh, we sort of already previewed this uh, match because we previewed it last time it was scheduled and then it was canceled and it turned into Siri versus Saki Kashima. So I guess I'll say what I said last time, which is I'm really looking forward to this match. Should be really good. Yeah. Are they doing the UWF rules this time around or no? That I am not sure. I would think if they were going to do it originally, they might just bring it back because I would imagine that they probably, because the match was called off so late, I would imagine that they had maybe started talking about what they were going to do. And I would imagine that they would just shift that to, um, this match. Yeah. Like they wouldn't have a particularly different match just because it's taking place a little bit later. Cause yeah, I'd, I'd be, I'd, I mean, it's still going to be a good match, but I'd be disappointed if they don't do the UWF style. Cause I think that'll be really cool. And especially with those two. The semi-main event for the Wonder of Stardom title, Tom Nakino going up against another member of the Cosmic Angels, Mina Shirakawa, challenging her after Kawasaki Super Wars. Uh, this should be another good one. We talked about Unagi Saika sort of proving herself at the top of the card, and I think this is Mina's opportunity to do the same. As I've talked about, I think Mina has been a very good uh, worker and I think putting her in a big spot I'm sure this match will be good I don't know that Mina really has any or much of a shot to uh, win this match I think Tom probably retains but uh, this is one I'm looking forward to yeah I'm excited for this uh, like I'm, I like Mina a lot but I'm excited to see if she'll step up to hang with the main event scene like Unagi did And then the main event for the World of Stardom title, Utami calling out Micah after her latest victory. So it will be Utami versus Micah for the World of Stardom title. Uh, I'm interested to see this one because I think it was, and I don't know if maybe I'm putting this in my head and I'm totally wrong, but I feel like the last Utami-Micah match was the big match where I was like, ah, this thing of like big move lay around is an issue. I think, I think it, it was. was the la- I think it was the last Utami Micah match, and I'm hoping that that's not what happens this time. Um, but we will see. I think that they both are sort of similarly styled wrestlers, which to me in Stardom, I think the the matches I like most in Stardom are the ones that are sort of more one style against another style you know you think of like the more submission style of like siri konami people like that you know sort of the harder hit you know the big match style big moves of utami tom you have the mayu sort of category where she's sort of all on her own uh 
But I think this match can be really good. I just worry that it becomes that sort of long, like in two weeks, if the show's over and you were like, Utami and Micah went like 42 minutes, I would be like, "Mm, I could see it. (laughs) Uh, You know, it probably won't go that long, but I wouldn't be entirely surprised just because it feels like two wrestlers who wrestle that sort of drawn out style that I'm not crazy about. Uh, but we'll see. Yeah, no. And this is a match where I think we're going to see it a lot over the years, just cause these, these two, they're kind of, they're linked, you know, it's like Utami went to, what was it? Just tap out at the time when uh, Micah was working there and kind of gave, almost gave Micah her big break into stardom through that match. So it's like, I always see these two kind of linked in that way. Yeah, that's a good point. And Micah is, you know, it's so funny because Micah came in and it felt like she was, it was like, wow, she's really, you know, building momentum, building momentum. She did good. She she did well in her first uh, five-star Grand Prix. And it has sort of felt like that momentum has stalled out a bit. And, you know, I'm a bit concerned now that sort of Utami's getting fed sort of like we have shows, but we're just sort of waiting um, for Utami Suri, which Utami mentioned at the end, or maybe it was Micah at the end of Kawasaki Super Wars, where it's like, you know, I'm trying to get to Suri. Suri has a title. And I'm just worried about, you know, someone like Micah just becoming... I think the last time she challenged for the title, it was sort of like, well, she's not going to win. Yeah. Um, And it feels here like, oh, she's not going to win. And I'm always cautious about turning these wrestlers who had momentum into people who are just like, well, we need someone. um, We need someone in the spot. Who can we beat? Oh, we can beat Micah. Sure. Because then the audience takes on that opinion, which is like, oh, it's Micah. She's going to lose. Yeah, I could very much see Micah falling into the almost the gatekeeper role over time. So uh, we will see. Uh, I think a bit of a, well, not a bit, but a much stronger card on paper to me than Kawasaki uh, Super Wars was. But we will see what happens. Uh, and then Stardom has a show the very next day on November 28th, but obviously no card announced for that i'm sure that that will happen closer to the date seedling has a show on november 26 that has the finals of the tag tournament kara yoniyama and you against asuka and makoto the only other match announced for that show is hiroyo matsumoto against riko kawahata that should be a fun one uh, oz has a couple shows Coming up on the 21st and 28th, nothing major on those shows. Tokyo Joshi has two smaller shows on November 19th and November 22nd before they return to Corican on November 25th for All Rise 21. And we will run that down quickly. The first two matches on the card, two singles matches. The first, Shoko Nakajima against Nadoka Tenma. The second one, Hyper Masao versus Yuki Kamafuku. Kelly, what are your thoughts on those two opening singles matches? This is, that, blech, I can't talk. They should both be fun. Um, it's kind of it's cool to see singles matches opening the show. You don't normally get that. 
Yeah, and two singles matches that, you know, the winner could propel themselves uh, maybe into contention for uh, one of the singles titles. Yeah, for sure. The third match, the sort of classic uh, Tokyo Joshi opening match, six-person match, Yuki Aino, Raku, and Palm Harajuku versus now Kakuda, Haruna Neko, and Mahiro Kiryu. Uh, Kelly, not much to say about this match. As I said, just sort of the classic uh, get some people on the card opening Tokyo Joshi match. Yeah, pretty much. Next match is a tag match. Marika Kobashi and Moka Miyamoto against Suzume and Arisu Endu. This match I'm really looking forward to, uh, especially as I've talked about in the past, Moka Miyamoto has been sort of up and down. She's had some good matches, had some less good matches. I think if she has a good one here, that this could really be the surprise um, of the show to me. Yeah. And I, I like seeing that Suzume and Endo are kind of just becoming a regular team now. Yeah, well, Suzume losing her former tag partner from uh, B-Star of uh, Mirai Mayumi. So good to see that she uh, picked someone else up that she hasn't. You know, I think sometimes when you're in a tag team and your partner leaves through no fault of your own, you know, can hurt you in the company because then all of a sudden they're like, well, what do we do with this person? And I'm glad to see that Tokyo Joshi has kept Suzume, you know, in this tag team, in some featured, you know, not main event matches, but featured matches, because I think, as I've said before, she's super talented. And with or without Mirai Mayumi, I think she deserves some opportunities in this company because she could be very good in the future. Yeah, totally. Speaking of being very good in the future, another singles match, Rika Tatsumi against Yuki Arai. Uh, another opportunity to see Yuki Arai's uh, development in ring. And this is another one. I think Rika is a great uh, opponent for her. And this is another one, not to sound like a broken record, and another one I'm looking forward to. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's a good match. I'm looking forward to that. And Is is this Arai getting another like challenge series? <laughs> it really kind of feels like that. With the match against no, Katsumi think... and then against uh, Yamashita coming up, too. Yeah, I think this is just, you know, with her uh, sort of connections, I think they want to keep her in featured matches like this. Um, and I think she's going to get these opportunities because uh, she is, or at least they believe that she is a, you know, draw to bring a new crowd in, which I hope is what she's doing. Um, but yeah, I think that she's just going to continue sort of getting these featured opportunities, which I don't mind because I think that she's been very good. Yeah, no, she's definitely someone that you want in that featured role. And I kind of forget that she's like famous outside of wrestling because she's taken to it so well. The semi-main event and the first of two title matches on the show, the champion Hakari Noah defending her international princess title against Miyu Watanabe. Uh, this is an interesting one. I'm not sure who I think leaves the match as champion. Kelly, what do you think? Yeah, this could go either way. Um, I don't know. I think I don't think Hikari's had the belt super long. I could 
be wrong because time is meaningless and everything flows together. But I don't know. I I could also see Mew. Like it, yeah, it's a coin toss. I could see it going either way. It weirdly feels to me like Akari Noah has not had the title quite long enough for me, but it also feels like Miyu sort of is at the place now. Yeah. Where she could win this title. So it's just sort of the conflicting thing of like, is it more important to keep Noah in that position to really establish her? Or is it like, okay, she got the, like she's had the opportunity. She's defended the title a couple times. Like we can now use that even if she loses the title. And now we're going to go with Miu in this position or, you know, I don't know what they're thinking. Um, I think at the last big Tokyo Joshi show, I thought Noah could lose it. And then she won, you know, fairly definitively. So it will be interesting to see. I just don't know, like Miu, if she loses again, it feels like she's getting a lot of challenges and not winning. Are you at the position where you're like, okay, now it's time to try with her? I don't know. Okay. Well, I just looked it up on um, Cage Match. Barring uh, Thunder Rosa's reign, which was long because of COVID, uh, Hikari's had the long, the longest reign of the title at 194 days. How long was um, Yuki? Yuki's 178. Reign. Oh, interesting. See, to me, it doesn't feel as long as hers. No, it doesn't. Hmm. Um, yeah, so I guess, I mean, I don't think that, you know, these titles should ever be like, okay, we're going to give them like 175 days of, you know, the title. But I do wonder if they're like, okay, our goal with this title is you get the chance to establish herself for a certain period of time, you know, we'll give it to you for a notable period of time. You can get some defenses in and then we'll try someone else. Like, I don't know, just because this sort of system of, you know, when the international princess title was started, it didn't really feel like this sort of title where it was like, we're going to try sort of mid card wrestlers, moving them up a little bit. Like you said, like Thunder Rosa had it. It felt obviously, when COVID wasn't a thing that you could bring in people from the States, from Europe and do things like that. So there isn't a lot of history to say, okay, this is sort of what this title is, which makes it tricky to predict. Yeah. Cause it's like your first reign was Natsumi Maki. She had it for 22 days. Yuna Monase had it for 33 days. Maki Ito had it for 78 days. And then it went to Thunder Rosa who had it for 276 days, but she was never able to defend it because of covid yeah so i'm like hmm what's my final i'm gonna say just to be interesting i'm gonna say miyu wins just you know i'll say it yeah this is one where i'll definitely bite on near falls because it's like i have no idea which way this is going yeah and i think miyu is a great i mean just speaking of the match you know in ring stuff itself i mean i think miyu has really been great in ring and i think that this match might be probably the best match in ring wise of noah's uh group of defenses yeah for sure then the main event once again the princess tag team titles main eventing a cork and hall show 
the Magical Sugar Rabbits, Yuka, Yuka Sakazaki and Mizuki, the champions, defending against Miyu Yamashita and Maki Ito. Uh, one to one million. Getting another shot at the tag titles here against the new champions. Uh, to me, I think Magical Sugar Rabbits retain. I think that there's still probably more to this, especially now that Maki lost the big title match. I think that there's more to this Miyu Maki story uh, that is going to happen. And to me, I guess I could see them winning, holding both the titles. But I just think that there's going to be eventually some sort of break there. And I think losing the titles probably helps to get to that point. Yeah, I could, but I could see them losing here, and that's kind of the break between uh, Maki and Miu. And maybe Maki goes like full heel or something. Yeah, because there was the whole thing right after the first show after Maki lost the title where she cut that promo where she was like, how are you standing in the ring and bragging about having won the title? Like, I think it's just a loss, and then maybe it may be... Because they haven't announced anything for January 4th yet. They obviously probably wouldn't with this Corican show coming up. But maybe there's something that they lose the show. Maki attacks Miyu or something. Um, and they set up a rematch for January 4th. I just don't know. Like, that would make sense to me. And I don't see anyone where I'm like, oh, yeah, Miyu has a challenger coming. And that challenger is someone. Like yeah. an obvious challenger on the horizon. You know, Yuka and Mizuki have the tag title, so you can sort of keep them there for now. And it feels like a lot of these other people are sort of floating around the international princess title level. Mm-hmm. Um, so it wouldn't be crazy to me to to have them say, okay, we'll do Miyu Maki again at, at Corican Hall on January 4th. You know, it's a match that you just ran, but now you've got a little bit extra sort of story to it and you've got a little bit smaller of a venue where you don't have to pull in the same number again so it might be okay running the same match again um because yeah i just don't think that this story is quite done and i don't think winning that i think winning the titles would just sort of extend the inevitable end point of this so i'm like just have them lose the title and just move into whatever that story is yeah, I could see that. I also think there's a chance they might hold the or wait on the Miyu Maki match until uh, Sumo Hall in March. Oh, that's another. Yeah, that's another good idea. I'm just wondering, like, you just ran the match at your like big show of the year. Yeah. I just wonder if like running the same match again, and if you try and fill Sumo Hall, which is really big. That people will be like, wait, we just saw this. Where at Corican, which is a little bit smaller in size, you know, not a tiny venue, but a little bit smaller, where you could sort of get away with being like, oh, it's a rematch. But now the rematch is like Maki is a heel. Mm-hmm. And so maybe you don't draw as many, but you don't have to draw as many at, you know, Corican, because I think they drew um, a good number in that big show. But uh, we will see, but lots of intrigue. Uh, I would say lots of intrigue at the top of this card. Yeah, no, for sure. I'm really excited for this show. 
moving on, Sendai Girls has a pretty big two weeks coming up. They have a Cork and Hall show on November 23rd with a uh, their yearly junior tournament, which includes people uh, in Sendai Girls, but also outsiders, Riko Kaiju, Madeline, Haruka Umasaki, Amy Miura, and some other people. That should be exciting. Uh, also on that show, Dash Chizako and Mika Iwata against Saki Akai and Asuka. That should be a fun match. And then That's the main cool event. Match. Yeah, that is a cool match. And, you know, I think Saki Akai and Asuka have teamed a few times in the past. Not often. Uh, but that should be a really fun match. And then another tag match in the main event. This one for the tag titles. Andres Miyagi and Hibiki against Chihiro Hashimoto and you. So that should be good. And then five days later, they have the big show in Sendai. Uh, Mika Iwata against Andres Miyagi in a singles match. Dash Chizako and Hibiki going back at it again in another hardcore match. And then the main event, the big match, which has seemingly been sort of on the docket for about two years at this point, it feels like. Uh, Chihiro Hashimoto against Takumi Aroha for the Sendai title in the main event. That should be a super fun show. Yeah, that card rocks. Uh, Ice Ribbon has a bunch of shows coming up, but nothing is announced. They also have a Corican Hall show on November 28th, but I don't believe anything has been announced. Of course, I have been staying spoiler free from the uh, big show that they just had. So maybe something has been announced. So if I miss that, I apologize. But that is everything uh, that is coming up in the next two weeks. Next episode, we will definitely be covering... Uh, the Tokyo Joshi show, um, as well as the stardom show. So two big shows coming up uh, at the end of November. So Kelly, anything else you want to add before we wrap up this episode? Uh, no, nothing this week. I hope you all, right, all well, uh, feel smarter after listening to this week. Yes, of course. <laughs> Uh, smarter and happier. Yep. Uh, uh, well, once again, I am Taylor and for Kelly, thank you for joining us once again on jumping bomb audio. And we will talk to you again in two weeks. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly. When you place your first wager at bet MGM, simply download the bet MGM app and sign up using code champion 150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye 
to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.